Hello and welcome back to Big Les's League and all rugby league experience. I'm your host, Big Les. Welcome to episode two of the halftime chat with Lee Addison. He is such a great coach and a great bloke, and it was an awesome chat. It really was. I really enjoyed this one. We talked about the Cronulla Sharks, the South Sydney Rabbitohs, and the Gold Coast Titans. It was probably one of my favorite chats out of the two. We took a really deep dive into the clubs. We talk about the youth at the Titans. We talk about South Sydney and the current situation with, obviously, the exit of Wayne Bennett, and the exit of Dane Gagai and Adam Reynolds, the effect this will have on the club. We also dive deep into the Cronulla Sharks, the leadership that they'll be getting out of Dale Finucane and Cam McInnes. Obviously, the Cam McInnes injury, which came out yesterday. A lot of stuff to talk about, and it was such an awesome chat. In part one here, we'll be talking about the one and only Cronulla Sharks. So, kicking it off with a bang, Cronulla Sharks, sit back, Relax and enjoy. Hello and welcome back to Big Lizards League and all rugby league experience. Welcome to episode two of the halftime chat. And I don't think there is a better person to do this with than the one and only Lee Addison. So, Lee. <laughs> That's a big call. <laughs> giving you a bit of a shout out there, Lee. Um, I know it's been a bit, of a, a bit of a tough week up where you are at the moment. Um, how are you coping with all that? Personally, I'm fine. My own home didn't come under any pressure. My road was closed. If I turned left, if I turned right, I just had to go the long way around. A bit of work was affected. I found myself being really upset, though, Les, by seeing community clubs go under, go underwater. One in particular, Carolina Tornadoes, where I've been running one of my higher clinics, uh, it was really immersed in water. The water was twice the height of URI. Um, my old school, Lipswich State High School, I, a matter of days before we recorded our last one, I sponsored a cup competition between my two old schools, Mabel and Ipswich State High School, the second incarnation of it, and this one was at Ipswich State High School. Within a matter of days after that, it, that was also immersed in water beyond the crossbar on the field. And my heart just breaks because community clubs and schools in particular are massive part of people's communities, massive part of people's lives. So my heart goes out to all them. I'll do some uh, help with clean up wherever I can. But obviously people have lost homes or people have been asked to evacuate or lost items. The genuine heartbreak is my emotional my my emotional reaction, Les, and my overwhelming reaction. And uh, no doubt, you being uh, south of the Tweed, uh, I just I just hope it gets a little bit easier the further south it goes. Yeah, well, I'm hoping so too. Especially what I've seen from Brisbane and, and just up in Queensland at the moment. Some of the scenes that were on the news the other night and. It was just horrific. Like, I literally saw there was a, I don't know if you saw this one, Lee, but there was a thing on Channel 9 um, about the bunch of people 
that lived on this big street and it was basically now a big ditch just in the middle of the woods and they basically yeah. had to they had to go like, like cross this log and, and go through this forest to other people in need and they were picking up houses with cranes and tearing them in half they found a 95 year old lady floating on the water that they had to rescue i mean it's just hectic and, and it's the last thing we need after COVID and after all the things we've had the bushfires yeah this is the, probably the last thing we we were hoping to get or, or or wanted or needed to be honest what i do say to people um is that just thank god we don't live in 1922 because that would have been even worse but everything is relative so we live quite cushy lives here in Australia. So the two things that you've just mentioned, COVID and floods. And don't forget, if we were in Victoria, we'd be talking bushfires, COVID, and then maybe floods. The It's all relative, but yeah, overall, we are lucky, Les, aren't we? we? We do have a good life. I mean, we've got good shelter, despite the weather outside. We can control the temperature in our homes. We, we're doing all right overall. And of course, the football season's upon us and... And there's plenty of reason to be somewhat positive. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, I'm trying to take all the positivity out of that as well, um, especially since I'm not up there. I'm so grateful that I'm I'm down here and not going through all that because um, it really, it just doesn't look pretty. And I'm, again, my yeah. heart goes out to all the people up there as well. It's, it's quite horrific. And I hope that, um, you know, in the next few days, even that, they can recover from that and it's going to take a while, but uh, I just wish people up in Brisbane all the best at the moment. It is definitely going to be very tough for them um, to recover from that. Um, but let's get into this team analysis. I've got a very little interesting um, podcast up for t- today. We're going to be doing the Cronulla Sharks, the South Sydney Rabbitohs and the Gold Coast Titans. We'll start off with the Cronulla Sharks. What are your opening thoughts about Cronulla going into this year? They've bought some, sorry, recruited some good players. Uh, I like the signing of Finnecane and Nico Hines. They're two players who've come from the benchmark club in the country, in the world. They're going to bring some of that culture with them. And obviously McInnes is is a good signing too. He and Finnecane are really going to toughen up the middle of the field. Um, I also think that this is a real pivotal year in Shark short history. Let's not forget how John Morris was ushered out of the door a matter of months ago, really. Um, that was something that stuck in the craw of a lot of people. We don't know the full story behind the scenes, but I do know and have met John Morris, and he's a lovely man. So, uh, And he was also a, a, a stalwart of that club and deserved to be treated a lot better in many people's opinions. So this is a real key year for them and a real key era, be it two years, three years, five years. All the signs and the sounds coming out of Cronulla are good, though, which is interesting. And I'm sure we'll unpack that now. Yeah, well, I'm, as a South fan, very happy to have John Morris in the coaching staff for sure. Uh, we <laughs> we definitely, um, it was a good signing for us. We poached him off them, but yeah, it was quite yeah. unfortunate to see him leave the building. I think what he was doing at that club was quite good, consistently making mm. finals, really couldn't complain there. 
Um, but yeah, it's going to be a very interesting year for Cronulla. I, I really like how mm-hmm. they're going to go this year and they've got a pretty decent squad, especially with the additions, like you say, of Nico Hines and, and Dalfa Nukin as well. It's, it's really going to be an interesting year for the Cronulla Sharks. We'll get into some of these stats. I'll move, move our cameras out of the way. Um, but signings, we've obviously got Dalfa Nukin and Nico Hines. Uh, Jaden Beryl, I think he was from the Rugby Nines, from what I can take from that one. No, he was no? from Winner Manly. Winner Manly. I used, I used to coach with his dad. Right. Okay, so I've yeah, so definitely he's from missed someone there. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, great story, actually, because he was in the Broncos under 20s, maybe 2013, 2012, 2013. And, you know, he'd have every reason to give the game a miss if he thought he was gonna not gonna make the NRL and pursue opportunities and now he's got a chance to come to come down south and, and play play in Sydney and it's a lesson for all kids listening, you know, don't ever give up on your dream. Jaden Beryl is a is not a teenager and um it's a really interesting, really interesting story that and a real heartwarming story. Yeah, for sure. Um I can't wait to see him debut. Is he? What position does he play again? Is he a hooker? I'm pretty sure hooker, he's a hooker. Yeah, hooker. Um, it's funny for another venture. I've been analysing the Q Cup Grand Final last year, and he's what he's a typical hooker in the sense that he makes a thousand tackles in the middle of the field and uh, has a um, uh, good intuition around the play the ball. He'd be a very, very, very solid footballer for Cronulla Sharks, and he's never going to let you down. He's one of those players, and he's the kind of player I think that you want to have in your team, the kind of player you want to play with. Um, whether he's going to be a top line NRL first grader or not, I can't sit here and say. But again, it's a bit like the story of the the half that we jinxed last week, didn't we? We jinxed him, didn't we, Fogarty? Oh God, uh, Canberra. Yeah, um, so maybe I should stop talking about Jaden Beryl. But when when you when you see a story like that, you know that the kid's got fuck not the kid the the man. You know the man's got fortitude. You know he's got fight. You know he's got ticker. You know he's got a will to improve. You know he's got a never say die attitude. And those are characteristics that really suit the sport of rugby league. So Corolla Sharks, this fella's not going to let you down. Whether he's going to be a top line NRL player. Still open to debate, but he's he's going to give it his damn his his damn best shot. Yeah, I can't wait to see him debut for the Sharks. It's going to be very interesting to see how he goes. Um, the guy I was talking about before was Lachlan Miller. Lachlan Miller okay. was the one that came from the the rugby nines. Um, and I'm pretty sure he can pretty much play anywhere. To be honest, um, from what I heard, yeah. he's a he's a back row center. Um. But yeah, it'd be very interesting to see how that guy goes. You really don't know with these rugby nines guys at all uh, where on, they sort on of that, fit on in. On that note, on that note of um, back row centre, I mean, twenty years ago that would have been unheard of saying that somebody was a back rower or a centre. The the role of a second row uh, has evolved so much, and so many second rows and centres just switch positions now because they defend left side and right side and. Um, they just basically defend either side of the halves in most teams. So, um, yeah, that, that that was just something that was interesting to pick up there in your commentary about that player. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very interesting to see 
uh, where these rugby guys sort of fit into teams. And uh, they've got some really good other signings here as well. Uh, Cronulla, Matt Ikevalu, another one who I really think is going to be a good one for them. Great depth for the centers and, and the wing spots. I reckon he's going to add a lot to that team, whether he starts, um, whether he is that sort of depth guy that they bring in due to injury. It'd be very interesting to see how they use him. Do you have any sort of thoughts on Matt Ikevalu? Anything um, that you've seen from him that you liked? Stuff like that? I remember him coming up through the Toyota Cup, um, as it was called then, for Manly. I do sort of feel that He's not necessarily played his absolute best football yet. He's in his peak now, physically, you would have thought, at his age. So his best football could be to come. And I also think the point that you just make there, Les, vis-a-vis uh, -vis the competition for places there, I mean, can you imagine somebody like my man, Ronaldo Mortalo, just stepping aside and letting Matty Cavallo take his spot? You know, <laughs> uh, there's, some, there's some real good... There's some real good uh, depth there. The, the thing I really, I mean, because I'm a coach, I keep doing this, but we keep going, I keep talk, talking about coaches, but uh, Fitzgibbon being the new coach is huge. Um, it, in many ways, it should be an unrecognisable club. Um, in a recent interview I did with Ronaldo for my, Ronaldo Mortalo for my YouTube channel, he talked about the the preseason that they were having, and by all accounts, it was the most intense preseason Ronaldo had had since he'd been down there in Sydney. Um, and he says that uh, Fitzgibbon has very much a win, you're a win or you are nothing mentality, um, and he brings that into his training. So, when you hear stories like that, mate, you you just know you're going to get something different out of Cronulla. And obviously the big unknown for so many teams in the NRL, particularly in round one and two, and maybe three, they don't know how a Craig Fitzgibbon side is going to play. They'll know that he's coached the odd rep team here and there, but that isn't necessarily going to be the framework that he's going to follow. This is probably the first time he's had full control of the preseason. It's going to be very hard for the teams in round one, two, and maybe three to do homework and really shut down some. They're going to have to start looking at things like where certain players kick the ball and which players are weak on what shoulder or which players pass weaker left to right. They're going to have to look in that detail as opposed to Craig Fitzgibbon's sides do this out of exit or they do this in good ball. So if they're ready, if Cronulla are ready, if they've had a real good preseason, uh, obviously Wade Graham's a loss, I'll talk about that in a minute, but if they have had a real big, strong preseason then they could snatch a couple of wins early because the opposition don't know anything about them in terms of how they are going to play tactically. And, you know, when I'm analysing opposition, the first thing I look at is the tactics. Where do they run the ball? How do they come out of exit? How do they play in a holding pattern? How do they attack when they're, at, when they're on our try line? And, and how do they defend? How do the markers operate? Do they split? Do they shoot out? All these kind of things. Are they up and in? Are they an up and out defence? And... Nobody knows. The, the NRL coaches at the minute do not know. The only indicator they will have had is from some trials. And even then, there's no guarantee that that's, that's what's going forward. Uh, Wade Graham, mate, I'm going to ask you that one. What a loss for a first month. I know. I was spewing and he's been out for ages. So 
Uh, he's had a really bad luck with head knocks. And yep. then now the syndesmosis injury, which is surprisingly getting really common now. Like, I didn't even know what a syndesmosis was until early to late 2020. And mm. then well, was all, all the players were getting them. And it was really unfortunate. We are, I say this, and this is going off on a tangent a little bit, Les, but I know you, you love my tangents. The, as, as a full-time sport, we're still in our infancy. We we came full time in 1993, 94, I think. And I think back then it was a case of, oh, we've just got more time. Let's just train more. And what's happening is now the big evolution and revolution in the game has all been around physical prowess. Has all been around the gymnasium, the the PBs on the field, on the training field. And we're pushing a lot of our players to big limits. And as a result, we're getting different injuries. I mean, the pectoral tear, that's pretty much a new one for the last decade and a half. Nobody ever did one of them in 1960, I don't think. And that's obviously because of the weights we're doing, but also the amount of wrestling, in inverted commas, that, that's taking place in the game. And um, knee reconstructions in young kids. And because we're building players that that are in bodies bigger than, than, than what God designed for them. So... When you talk about that injury, they that will happen. That will continue to happen because, in my opinion, the game is still learning how to be full-time and they're doing it by trial and error sometimes with some of the training methods. Yeah, it's not even just full-time as well. It's more so the game's changing. The rules are changing. Yeah. The game's faster. And that that in itself really sort of changes, you know, how players are going to play. Again, you, you as you said as well, the rotating, the the grappling movements, the tackling techniques changing. Mm. It's mm. that's what's really getting players injured in my opinion, I reckon, and it's a lot more the fact that the game is so much so much of a faster pace than as you said in 1960 or even in 1990 like Every 10 years, the game just seems to get faster. Mm, and mm, mm. that's what's hurting players, really. It, it's the fact that they got to cope to these new rule changes. Oh, i got to be here. Okay, now i got to be here. Okay, we're going to be doing this now. All of a sudden, you're putting so much pressure on your body that it's just rip and tear. Um, on, and the, yeah. on this note, on this note, Les, too. Sorry, if I ever interrupt you, there's just obviously a slight delay, isn't there, on the, on the, on the recording? The, mm. The on the evolution of the game, I mean, this year and next year, as in 2023 24, the teams that are the most mobile, the teams that have the most um, or the best ability to play what's in front of them, the ability to keep forwards on for longer periods, because we now have a sport that has restricted interchange, so that was quite a significant change. But also we've got the six again rules, which really, for a while there, they took some of the attrition away. And I thought there was something that was quite prevalent last year. The coaches who were complaining about the rule changes were all the ones lower down on the ladder. The coaches higher up in the ladder, they'd adapted, changed their conditioning efforts in the week, trimmed a little bit of body fat off their players. One thing I have noticed talking to a few NRL players and a few pictures I've seen and footage I've seen, 
A lot of NRL players are looking a little bit trimmer this off-season. That's going to be a combination of them having a full off-season, which they've not had for a while, so many of them, because there was no internationals. But also, they'll be preparing a lot of these teams for a more mobile brand of football. And again, that a lot of these predictions could end up going uh, flip-flopping because... There's going to be a team that shocks just because they are better at this mobility, uh, this mobile brand of football. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting how the game looks in two years, four years, six years, mm. ten years. Mm. It's just going to change so much and it's only going to get faster. So the more teams adapt, the higher they're going to be on the ladder. Um, I might dust the boots off and come back out to play. <laughs> Well, I'm already out there now, so you may as well come and join me. I think there's a, I think there's a spare spot on the Wombats team, so I'll let I'll let the coach know and. No worries. Plenty of room there for you. Um, <laughs> we'll go through the losses now because there's a few losses here, um, and then we'll sort of touch on Cameron McInnes as well because that's a pretty hectic injury that he's. Uh, well, he obviously had the ACL, but it's it's from what I'm hearing, it's a clean out from the surgery, which was quite weird timing for me. Oh, I'm, not sure how long how. is he going to be out for? I think he's going to be out for the first... I think it's the first few months. I think it's two to three months. It's very similar to Jamal, I think, uh, time mm. period. Um, mm. Two different surgeries. Jamal, oh, I had a look on the NRL physio. Um, just the procedure, the sort of way that that's going to be operated. It did not look nice at all. The bones were everywhere. Think- it was... I think I think he's still a good sign in the sense that he's going to be around the place, and he'll be there for the second half of the season, basically. So, yeah, um, it's still both signings, Kamikinis, Jamal Fogarty, great ones, still. But we'll go through these losses because there are quite a few here, and there will be for the next two teams. Um, I find it was crazy how many losses they had, but we got Will Chambers, Josh Dugan, Sean Johnson, Nene McDonald. Billy Magulius, Chad Townsend, Aaron Woods. That's a lot. That is a lot of experience out the mm. door. One thing that jumps out, and I'll be honest, I don't know any of these guys personally. I know people who know them, and they're obviously great friends, so I've, I want to be very careful how I say this, but you may remember Will Chambers last year had a few issues a bit later in the year where he spoke up a little bit on the field. It wasn't a great look. Josh Dugan has had his moments where he's not been great off the field. Sean Johnson, I would imagine, isn't always... I wouldn't say professional. He always is professional. I just get the impression that he's in and out a bit as a player. Like he... He doesn't always put his stamp on every game kind of thing. Um, maybe I'm being th- a bit harsh there. I think it was more so him wanting to go back to the Warriors. Uh, that's why he yeah. left. He was there yeah. for a long time. Uh, I think it's a great call there from Sean Johnson going home. Uh, well, what he calls home. I, I think that's more so that why he went over there as well. Uh, but Sean Johnson's Chad, a fantastic Chad, player. Chad Townsend. I mean, he's okay. Chad Townsend, uh, I wouldn't say... I don't think you can see yourself winning a premiership with Chad Townsend steering you around kind of thing. Um, And Aaron Woods, we mentioned him last week. Um, We talked about him positively last week, and I think he's a a good signing for St. George. But at the same time, 
I do think there are better front rowers than there are Aaron Woods running around. And I, I look at the middles that they have signed, and I think they look in a better in better shape. And again, what I will say about the Sharks is they've been all right in junior reps for the last few years. They've been quite good. So they're going to have, you know, last year they unearthed a couple, the year before they unearthed a couple. Let's just assume that they will again. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's some it's some big losses in experience, but as you say, most of these guys aren't the flashiest guys in the park. Mm. It's still a lot of experience. Chad Townsend's won a premiership over there. Uh, will Chambers has won a few for the Storm. Dugan, um, he is a classy player, and I know at the back end of his career, he did have a, a few issues, but he still was a great player. He still had an awesome career. Sean Johnson going back to the Warriors, going back home. Didn't really get to see much of Nanny McDonald over the past few years. He was obviously at the North Queensland, but um, we didn't really get to see much of him over at the Sharks. He was obviously, I think it was over in the Super League. I think it Where's was. Where's he gone to now? That one's escaped me. Where's he gone to now? I actually don't know. I think he's just been released by the club. Um, okay. I've heard I heard whispers that he might have been going to Brisbane. I want if I don't know if that actually went mm. through. I did hear a I'll few. Go, I'll I'll Google it now while you're reviewing the. Um, but yeah, I I wouldn't. I honestly don't know about that one. Billy Magulius stands out to me. I know he didn't get many minutes, um, for the Sharks, but he still was a classy player. I thought he was a really good lock forward for them. He's going off to St Helens, I think it is. He's going over to. Oh, he's got Wigan Warriors. Sorry, he's gone off to Wigan Warriors. Billy Magulius. Um, That's right. Yeah. Um, so it's a great signing for them, in my opinion. If he gets a few minutes under his belt, he'd be quite good. And then, as you said, we obviously talked about Aaron Woods the other week, and and yeah, very professional, um, old school sort of front rower as well. Um, Cam McInnes, knee surgery. What what I I know he did touch on that beforehand, but. What are your thoughts about this one? If he is gone for two months or three months, what are your thoughts? Who do you see playing in the 13? Um, yeah, what what leadership-wise, I think they'll be okay with Dalfinukin because he's a just he's a great, great leader and he was over at Melbourne. But talk us through what, what your thoughts are for Cam McInnes being out for the first two to three months. Well, it's obviously better if he's in the side. Um, yeah. It's, I don't know. I, I just think there's that much of a culture shift at the Cronulla Sharks that one person being out shouldn't affect it if everything about their culture, their new culture is right. So somebody should be able to slot in and, and make a bit of a difference there. Who that is, I'm not 100% sure. Obviously, Finnecane can move to the back of the scrum if he needs to. Um Again, I mean, I'm biased, but Ronaldo Mulatalo, is, in my opinion, is actually a bit wasted on the wing. If he's still playing wing in five years' time, then I'll be very surprised. I, I used to have him at 5'8", I used to have him at fullback, and I almost put him at lock. The only reason I never put him at lock when I had him as a, as a junior was that there was all the heavier bodies that could go in his way. Somebody like Ronaldo Mulatalo would be a great lock because he's, he's an all-action player. He throws himself into collision. Uh, he's got high work rate. He doesn't want to come off the field, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but there'll be other there'll be other ways, and it all depends on how fits he wants to play. He might just literally put another middle forward in there and have three props and and do it yeah. that way. So, 
that one that one escapes mm. me who's going to be the lock in his in his place. Geez, I'd love Ronaldo Militalo at centre. I reckon it'd be an unreal centre. The ball playing that I saw from them the other day, he's just a freak. I didn't realise he was as much of a freak as he was until I he saw him freak, in that trial yeah. game. Dead set yeah, freak. No. Um, yeah, no. God, I would have loved to have been in your shoes and, and got the privilege to coach him because he just looks like a weapon or even just play with him as well. Yeah, um, he's a leader. He's the most influential, one of the most influential players I've coached. He, he can, he, he, he walks into a room. He sort of owns it, if you like. The, um, the, like I say, I just can't see him being on the wing forever. Mm. I just can't see it. He's just too good a footballer to be on the wing. He's an excellent wing. He got picked for Queensland Origin on the wing, even though he never played. But mm. um, he has got football in him. He has got football in him. So um, they could do a lot worse than put Ronaldo closer to the action, like you said, centre. But he could yeah. even do a stint at lock. I mean, the, th- the thing with a lock, the thing with a lock, I mean, it can just be part of your front row run- rotation. And again, I know that, you know, front rowers tend to play about 15, 20 minutes and come off. The the What you can do with your lock position at times, you can have a ball playing lock. So, something like Wade Graham can lock the scrum and move the ball around a little bit. You can have a, a lock that is like another hit up forward, or you can have a lock that mops things up. I mean, there's no reason why you can't have a lock of any description because of the nature of them. So, they can do all sorts with that. I've been known to play four different locks in one game just because of the phase of the game. And um, yeah, it all depends. All depends how he wants to play. It's very interesting the brand of locks we're seeing come through at the moment because for Knights, I'm hearing Kurt Mann's going to be playing in the 13. Dylan Walker gets his stint for at 13 for Manly. The 13 position's changed drastically over the past two years. I, and I say the two years because, as you said, they used to just be middle forwards in there taking that spot. And now, mm. you've, got, now you've got guys who preferably play in the halves, in the centres, um, just these freakish talents that they just chuck in at 13 and just say, rip and tear, mm. you go out there and mm-hmm. and just play some footy. So it, it's really changed heaps. And as you say, ball playing locks, we call them now. Yeah, the game's really changed. And, yeah, honestly, and changing. And changing, yeah, for sure. Um, so very interesting to, to see there uh, who Cronulla end up putting in the 13. For me, it'll probably be Dalfinukin. Uh, but they could honestly put anyone there, to be honest. Didn't, Seven... didn't Nico Hines do a little bit of time at six in one of the trials? He, he was playing seven. He played seven oh, and, last and also, week. And in the All-Stars game, he also played at six, I think, didn't he? He did, and he played so well. He's changed his game drastically. He's turned mm. himself from this off-the-cuff, um, explosive unpredictable sort of player to a calm, composed, I'm going to get those five tackles done and kick and put pressure on you consistently again and again and again. He's just turned into one of those calm, composed, I'm going to follow this structure. Um, he's, yeah, as I said, structured sort of half. And it's very interesting to see how that game changed. It was very, very surprising for me watching that All-Stars game. He nearly plugged a 40-20. Um, <laughs> and, I, and, and, I, and I'm, and I'm going to put a wrap on Craig Fitzgibbon there. I mean, he's obviously coached him this off-season and added some help, add some things to his armour. And 
credit to Nico as well. He's got the ability to do it. Um, yeah, the, the, I do think the Sharks are the great unknowns. I don't think there's any guarantee that Craig Fitzgibbon is going to be an awesome coach, right? That All the signs are there that he will be. But until they do it, you never know. He might be good at doing drills. He might be good tactically. He might be good at pre-season. What we don't know is how he responds to pressure, media scrutiny about his selections, how he responds in the middle of a game when he's got the earphones on like yours and talking to his sideline, how he responds to the player who comes to him and says, I want my contracts upgraded or I'm off. You know, these are all the things that head coaches after. And a lot of the way that we recruit coaches, we look at how they do drills and we look at how how um, they talk in sound bites, coaching sound bites. Well, to me, that's that's only part of the job. So it's a bit massive unknown this. And to that to that end, I mean, there's no guarantees that Cronulla are going to be any better or any worse. It's just this is a great unknown. I think the people. I think the thing that people don't really realise about Craig Fitzgibbon as well is he was a fantastic defensive coach. One of the things yes. he was known for was his defense at the Roosters. The reason the Roosters have such good defense is partly because of Craig Fitzgibbon and the work he does mm. over there. Mm-hmm. I think that one of the reasons that Sharks didn't make the eight this uh, this season, last season, sorry, was purely because of the fact that they weren't known as this big defensive team. At times, their defense wasn't fantastic. So I think having Craig over there, it... It's actually a blessing. It, it, it really depends how you look at it. Their defense is, for me, is going to definitely improve. Uh, but we, we don't know. We don't know until round one. And I don't really judge. I, I, I do my ladder predictions and whatnot, and I say what team I think will go where. But I don't really form a, a whole opinion until like round seven, eight, nine, ten, halfway through when I've had a good look and... Yeah, consistency for me is key. So that's another thing that Sharks really need to worry about, consistency. Seven wins, 17 losses, as we can see here. Um, a bit of consistency would be nice for them as well. Um, yeah. Some key players that are, that I've got here, and I could have put a bunch more, um, but the real key players that I think are going to really make an impact on this side, key players that I think uh, are really going to be the deciding factor of where the Sharks finish. Dalfa Nukin, his leadership, a guy that at Melbourne was basically told to stop training because he was training too hard. Nico <laughs> Hines, Nico Hines, as I said, changed his game drastically to a really calm and composed seven, which I think will be good for anyone who really goes and partners in a six with him. Um, yeah. I had my... I had my opinions on Nico Hines. I thought he was a really off-the-cuff kind of guy, but I had only seen him at fullback. And as soon as he transitioned to the halves, he just completely changed his game, in my opinion. Yeah. Brad- Braden Trindle, the most like the guy that's most likely going to be with him. He is suspended for round one, but um, uh, that's only one game. After that, I'm pretty sure that he's going to be the guy that either wears the six or the seven, depending on Me where too, they want to yeah. put Hines. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I definitely think he's going to be one to watch. McInnes, obviously, when he comes back from that injury, whether it's one month, two months, three months, whatever the time lapse is, I think he'll definitely be an important part in that side. And then Will Kennedy as well. I saw some real good signs from him uh, late last year as well. So I think he'll be a real factor in this side. 
What are your thoughts on these key players? What are your thoughts on these key players? Any any other comments you'd like to make on Cronulla? Oh, just just Trindle, a big big year ahead for Trindle. Kennedy, I'm a massive fan of, and we've covered all the others. I think if they're going to have a good season, them to them that that right column needs to fire virtually every week. Um, obviously, McInnes can't do much firing until he's on the field, and and Braden Trindle can't do much firing in round one. But yeah, it's all, it's about keeping those guys fit or getting them fit in the case of Cam McInnes and um, and their influence around the dressing room. I keep going back to Dale Finnecane and and Nico Hines. They have come from the best from the benchmark organization in our sport. They're going to be bringing some of that with them. For sure. And uh, Cronulla Sharks, that could go really well or it could be a really, very, a really, really interesting season for them. It's going to be a very interesting one and one I'm excited to really watch as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking eight to ten, seven, eight, ten. Uh, um, I, I'm actually going to knock the Broncos down a little bit from last week, actually. I said six to ten, I'm going to go eight. They're going to be eight to 12 now, the Bronx, I think. A few things I've heard since then. So um, mm. I'm, put, I'm putting the Sharks in that in that zone. Yeah, for sure. Um, very interesting year from the Sharks. Six to 10, probably going to have to agree with you there. Could even be higher than that, depending on how they go. It's really yeah. interesting yeah. how the NRL works. And you don't really know until I said round six, round seven, when we've had a good look at the sides and we know for sure. Um, consistency-wise, how they're going to go. Well, that is it, guys. That is part one of episode two of the Halftime Chat. Great little one about the Cronulla Sharks. I know that one went for nearly 40 minutes, but it was a real in-depth chat looking at the Cronulla Sharks, the coach, the players, and the captaincy that they have over there. It is just phenomenal. It's going to be a really good year for the Cronulla Sharks. Make sure you guys go over and listen to part two. We talk about the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Thank you for choosing Big Lezzer's League and all rugby league experience. Recommend this podcast to a friend and I'll see you guys in the next one. one.